thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I want to read those two verses to you in a more modern translation. The same two verses, Colossians 3, 1 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Get Your Mind Right. Pray with me. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, for your goodness. Thank you for keeping our minds, our hearts, our soul, our spirit, Lord, for loving us the way that you do. God, I thank you for the Bridges family, Lord. I thank you for Troy. I pray your blessing over him, your protection, your peace in his life. God, I pray that as he makes this transition, it would be glorious and it would be God-honoring. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity now to look to your word. And I ask you, Lord, to anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. God, I thank you for every person who's come here today, and I believe that we are here by your command. I believe that it is not a coincidence that the people that are in this room are in this room. We are the sheep of your pasture, and you are our shepherd, and I ask you to lead us now and teach us from your spirit, from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Get your mind right. That is a whole message in four words. You ought to be able to take that. And you, you should be able to take that and run with it. You should be able to tell your children at any point in life, boy, get your mind right. And that ought to be the whole sermon. Girl, you better get your mind right. And that's the whole sermon right there. See, good parents know what I'm talking about right there. That's really all that needs to be said to a mature child. Because a mature child wants to be corrected. A mature child wants to grow. A mature child wants to do better. A mature child wants to please mama and daddy. A mature child wants to stay out of trouble and just enjoy life. So they understand when mama or daddy says, get your mind right, that they need to get what? Their mind right. Now, as the children of God... We need to, in 2016, the summer of 2016, we need to get our mind right because I don't believe there's ever been a time in the history of the Lord's church that the church has had its mind scattered in so many different directions. Divided loyalty. Thoughts all over the map. Divided church. Denominational breakups. Doctrinal breakups it's it's hard to stay focused though on God which is our job if if we're constantly bombarded by the things of this life I've told you before I'm as guilty of it as anybody I know how dangerous it is you can go on the internet to look up one thing what time uh, does the game start seven and a half hours later you missed the game because you were pointing and clicking The most convenient thing programmers ever did for computers was Hotlink. But it has ruined us as a society. What is a Hotlink? When you can just click on it, it'll open up a whole new thing you weren't even thinking about. And then you click on, click on, click on, click on, and you're a thousand miles away from where you started. We have got so much access to so much information. Listen, and the majority of it is ungodly. 
The majority of it has nothing to do with God or honoring God or our success in Christ. We have so much bombarding our minds through television, radio, multimedia, social media, internet. There's just so many different ways. Listen, I saw a commercial one time. I didn't see the movie. Uh, but it was some movie about some girl. Uh, she was some, you know, loser chick uh, playing some loser chick girl, and she was crying to her friend. And she's like, "Now there's like a hundred different technologies I can get rejected on," because she was talking about she had been broke up with on Twitter, on Facebook, on MySpace, on Instagram, on on email. And and she's like, "You know, life's just getting harder when I can be broken up with so many different ways." Listen, we have got so many different things out there bombarding our mind that we need to learn how to focus on God. And I think most of us have done that. And I'm talking to Christians this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, easy remedy for that. Jesus said, if you call on his name, he'll save you. He said, if you'll confess your sins, he will forgive you. If you'll ask him to save you, he will do it. That's simple. But I'm talking to Christians this morning. Every one of us, if we're Christians, at some point, we focused on God. There was a time in your life, if you call yourself saved, there was a moment, a day, an instant in your life where you focused on God at some point for some length of time. But the problem is, as life happens, that focus can become unfocused. And that's why I said for years, what we have to do if we expect any success in any part of life is not just to focus, but to focus and refocus and focus, and refocus, and focus, and refocus. You, you can rise up and say, I'm going to be a better parent. You can wake up in the morning and say, God, help me be the best parent I can be. I want to be a better parent. But if you just say that one time, when they're three years old, guess what? You, you're, you're in trouble. Because you have to stay focused on this stuff, whether it's athletics, whether it's relationships, whether it's academics, whether it's spirituality, whatever it is, it takes, listen to me, continual effort. It's, it's like that old counseling cartoon where the man and woman at the preacher counseling session, at the marriage counselor session, and then the woman's like, he, he just doesn't tell me he loves me. And the man says, I told you I love you when I married you. Isn't that enough? Well, no matter what people's view on that is, obviously they're in an office for a reason. It must not be enough. This is not a one-time deal, y'all. This is not a, I focused on God. I, I meet people and they're like, Pastor, I saved, sanctified, fire baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1983. Do you realize how many years ago that was? Half people in this room weren't even born in 1983. And if you put and in between your dates, you old anyway. <laughs> old people. Well, in 19 and 26. Listen, doing something way back then, if you got saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, did everything on the planet for God in 1983, but you're as mean as the devil today, that ain't helping you much. Pastor, I used to preach, I used to teach, I used to usher, I used to dig, I used to serve. Pastor, I used to read my Bible every day. I used to pray in tongues nine hours a day. I used to lay on the floor and weep for the nations. Now you just lay up and stay drunk on Facebook, internet porn all night long, and, and, and don't, don't look at God no more? 
Listen, what you did in 1983 may or may not have been okay in 1983. But right about now, in June of 2016, we all need to get our mind right. Jesus said, when his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, well, pray, pray like this. Ask God to give you this day what you need. Pray for today's needs. You know why? You need today faith for today problem. Where you used to be, that was for then. Where you're going, that is for now. But what's going to carry you through? Or for where you're going, that's for then. Where, what's going to carry you through right now? We need to get our mind right. Listen to the text. In, in the King James, Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, come. Got to pay attention to the punctuation. You got to digest literature one phrase at a time. Make sure you're not just reading it, but you're reading it with comprehension. That's any literature. When it comes to the Bible, you got to move past reading it. You have to move past reading it with comprehension. You got to get it deep down on the inside. If you then be risen with Christ. That implies doubt. That implies the possibility of delusion. That implies that the writer knows he's talking to some people that claim to be saved but really are not. You realize everybody that claims the name of Jesus, that everybody in church in America today not truly born again? I already told you sitting in church don't make you a Christian anymore and sitting in your garage makes you a car. If you're risen with Christ, if you're really saved, there has to be some proof. Say proof. God is looking for some proof. The world needs some proof of true Christianity in 2016. The world needs some proof. Listen, we, I promise you this. Mark my word. Today, June 26, 2016, the enemy is still a thief and a liar. The enemy still comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And mark my words, on June 26, 2016, between now and November Election Day, there are going to be broken relationships, broken friendships, people who used to go to church together that go, don't go to church anymore because some people are going to want to know how can you vote for a woman who so supports the murderous sin of abortion at hundreds of millions of babies a decade and somebody else is going to want to know, how can you support a man with such a bad comb over, I can't listen to what he has to say because I'm so busy staring at his hair. <laughs> People are going to quit church over it because we concentrate on the natural more than we concentrate on the spiritual. I talked to a man who I love dearly many times about this issue, deacon in his church. And I said, how can you, as a Christian man, support a weakened national defense? How can you support homosexuality? How can you support homosexuals adopting children? How can you support this anti-God platform? Here's what he told me. I'm voting for the one who put more money in the union pocket. I said, oh, so you don't care about life. You don't care about issues. You don't really care about what's best for the country or who most lines up with Christ. You just care about your own little situation. And you're going to violate your conscience 
at everything you believe in so you can get a couple extra dollars on a union negotiation? It's all I'm going to say about politics today. I don't trust none of them. And if you really believe that they're for you, well, it's the party that's for me and those like me. <laughs> How many of them live in your neighborhood? How many people in this room can afford a home in the D.C. triangle? Thank you, Michelle, because none of us, none of us, Nobody in this room can afford a home in the D.C. Triangle and a home in the state they're supposed to represent. None of us are sending our children to the schools they're sending their children to. And listen, if you're spending as much money on liquor and cigars as they are, you really need to get your mind right. The enemy used to have to sneak in to tear up relationships. Now he just kicked the door in. Now you can just boldly say, the, the enemy used to have to pull one or two people off to the side from a church to get a little gossip train going. Now the enemy just stand up in the middle of church, gossip in front of everybody. everybody I don't care who said, I don't care what they think about me. I'm grown, I say what I want. Listen, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if, our, if we are really risen with Christ, we need to seek those things which are above. We need to seek those things which are above. You want to know if you're truly saved? You want to know if you truly love God the way you should? Do you spend more time concentrating on heavenly things or earthly things? I don't stand up and preach to people what type of music they should listen to, what type of movies they should go to, what type of TV channels they should go to. I had to sign a covenant to teach in a church one time that I would not subscribe to in my home HBO or Cinemax. And I'm like, well, you're off up in my business, ain't you? So I had to sign this piece of paper to teach Sunday school here. And the crazy thing about it was it said the letters HBO, and in parentheses it said Hell's Box Office. It said Cinemax, and in parentheses it said Sin to the Max. And I couldn't teach Sunday school in that church if I had either one of those premium channels on my cable list, which I don't and never have. I, I just rather spend my money on something else. Uh, but I'm not up here telling you what cable channels you can have in your house. I'm not up here telling you all these different things. But what I am saying is if you listen to more secular music than you do sacred music, there's a hard issue there. If you play with a computer more than you look at God's word, there's a hard issue there. If you talk on the phone to your friends more than you talk to God on your knees, there's a hard issue there. And things are getting worse. And if those that claim the name of Christ don't up their game and get their mind right, it's going to be the easiest defeat the devil ever had in the history of the world. See, because Christians put up a fight through every generation. Put up a fight. They put up a fight. Sometimes they won, sometimes they lost. They put up a fight to keep prayer in schools. Lost, lost that. They put up a fight to keep the Ten Commandments on every, listen, every courthouse wall. Ten Commandments on every courthouse wall in America at one point. Lost that fight. But at least they fought. The generation we live in now, and, and there were victories along the way too. Because they fought. The generation we live in now, oh well, you know how it is. 
oh, well, you know how it is. Can't, can't fight them. Can't beat them. May as well join them. I'm not joining them. And I'm not going to stop fighting. Because good men and good women got to rise up and do something. Our country's going to hell in a handbasket. The church is being torn apart over people's petty little emotional issues. He hurt my feelings. Listen, there's more at play here than feelings. Well, I just don't like that when he says this or that. Well, what do you like? Focus on that. There's more at play. You know, if, if you were ever really in a battle in the natural, if you were ever in theater, in a, in a real war zone, up front, bullets flying, you just don't have time to say, I don't like the way you reloaded your weapon. I can't. Mm -mm. That was too casual for me. Mm -mm. No, no. I think, I think you slapped that magazine too hard when you were putting it in. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure how I feel about gun control. That's the wrong time to be getting your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts caught up. And if you don't realize that Christians are at war right now with the world, if you don't realize that radical Islam is at war right now with the world, if you don't realize that the church is losing ground, ride around and look at all these buildings with for sale signs on them. Go down Blandy. I don't even know what that church used to originally be. Uh, but it's a weird-looking church off to the side. It, every few years it goes up for sale again. Got grass up to the knees right now. Used to be a church, and now it just sits vacant. Many places in Europe are having less than 2% Christian, where at one time they had over 80% Christian. And I'm not ready to see America just become a non-Christian, no, no God in it at all country. And it's not up to anybody else other than God's people. The world can't lead themselves to Christ. If the blind follow the blind, they both fall in the ditch. Pastors can't do all the work, and we're never intended to do all the work. The Bible says that the work that the pastor is supposed to do is to train the congregation to go do the work of the ministry. If you've been in any portion, well, I don't know, any portion of the military, if you've been in the Army, you, you understand that there's a group of people called clerks and jerks, and there's a group of people to go out and fight. And there's a group of people to sit back and do the things that are necessary so that the fight can continue, and there are other people that go out and pick up a weapon and shoot folk. See, my job is that of the pastor, coach, trainer. You know how many points? Uh, I almost said the coach of, of Cleveland scored. The coach of Cleveland scored the most points in finals history, I think. LeBron James is there coaching Cleveland. But what, what the boy's name is, pretend to coach Cleveland? <laughs> Tyron Lue. I like Tyron Lue. He, 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 he looked cute sitting behind Doc Rivers, not doing anything. He looks even cuter sitting behind LeBron James, not doing anything. But... It's not Tyron Lue. It, let's pick a real coach. It, uh, so it's not Doc Rivers' job to go out and score any points on a basketball court. The players go out. And they're cool with that. That's what they want. Give me the ball. Let me do what I do. Well, in the church, we got it messed up. We got it. Uh, well, we let the pastors do that. What, everything? All the work. Score all the points. You don't want to score any points. 
You want to call yourself saved and a Christian, but you don't want to score any points? You don't want to serve the Lord? You don't want to do anything for God? You just want to sit back and say, let everybody else do it? Because, you know, as long as I get to heaven, I don't care. I would not want to meet God with a, I didn't love him enough to work for him, but I bet he let me in when I get there attitude. If you're really saved. Because if you're not risen with Christ, you're not really saved. If you're really saved, then seek those things which are Above. It says a little different in the New Living Translation. Colossians 3 1 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand, in the place of honor and power. Seek those things which are above. Okay, well, what's above? Heaven, Jesus, God, eternity. Is that what we're seeking? See, because most people, let, let, me, let me just have a quick test. And don't answer what you think I want to say. I'm going to give you a shot just to be real right now and, and say what you truly think. It is 1136. People sitting in church about a millions right now. There's some good preaching going on somewhere in this country. There's some bad preaching going on in other places. But what do you think a lot of people are thinking about at 1136 sitting in church right now? Lunch. When's he going to shut up? If he says one more thing that I don't like, I'm going to quit. I've been in banks where people that didn't have two nickels to rub together told some woman in a dress, the dress costs more than they got in the bank. Well, I'll just take my money out this bank and go somewhere else. And I, I just wish sometimes, you know, that I could really just say everything I want to say, but I can't because the love of God constrains me. Not just because I'm a pastor, because I'm saved after to represent Christ. Because when I hear stuff like that, I just want to fall down on the ground and say, Oh, no, please don't, don't. God knows if you take all your money out of the bank, they'll collapse. They, it'll just fall apart. The earth will end if you take all $7 out. You're not really going to take all $7 out. But I can't say that. People get mad in church. Ah, she says one more thing like that, I'm going to quit. Well, the church is going to go on without us. But it could go on effectively with us. If we had our minds right, if we chose to love each other in spite of each other, if we resisted the devil, didn't fall for every scheme of his, if we didn't allow division to divide us, See, differences don't have to divide you. Differences can cause turmoil. Differences can cause difficulty, but they don't have to cause division. I don't agree with anybody on everything except Jesus. And I don't always act like I agree with him on everything. So if you've got to agree with everybody on everything to get along with them, you, you're living in the wrong planet. We are about to face some hard times in regard to unity. It's been bad over the last 30 years in the body of Christ, unity. New denominations popping up all the time. Churches splitting all the time. Other religions gaining traction while Christianity loses ground. And I believe we're in for the most divisive presidential battle in the history of this country. I believe the lines are going to be drawn and friends are friendships are going to be tested and tried and if we don't get our mind right and learn how to focus on what counts 
Listen, whether that next president is a four-year or eight-year president, they're going to do some stuff good, they're going to do some stuff bad. They all have. And it is not going to change what day of the month your electricity bill comes due. And honestly to me, that's way more important to me who, than who wins. How much my electricity bill going to be next month? What's food going to cost? What's gas going to cost? We get caught up in the wrong things, though, when the Bible says that if we're really saved, we need to seek those things which are above. I want you to know it takes intentional effort to stay focused on God. Every one of us at some point focused on God. And from that very moment that you chose to focus on God, the enemy has tried to put everything in your path to take your focus off. The enemy has tried to do everything that he could to unsettle you, to unnerve you, to rip you away from the thing that God wants to use in your life to bring maturity and godliness into your life. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That is a hard verse, and it's a true verse because they're all true. Love not the world, comma, that's a phrase, stands alone, needs to be understood. Don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Okay, that's a whole thought by itself, but the next sentence says, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything in your life that you know that God doesn't like, that you like so much you refuse to get rid of it no matter what? Because I've heard people say, only in this generation, only in the last 20 years. I didn't hear it before the last 20 years. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what the church thinks. I don't care what the pastor thinks. I ain't changing. I'm going to do me. Doing me has consequences. None of them are good. If you love something that God doesn't want you to have so much that you're unwilling to let it go, the Bible says the love of the Father is not in you. This is plain Bible. Verse 16 says, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof. Listen to the last phrase. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He that does the will of God abides forever. Now, none of us do the will of God perfectly, but are you trying? None of us succeed every moment of every day, but are you trying? None of us love God and love each other at, at a perfect level, but are you trying? Are you willing to let things go for the greater good? Or are you going to hold on to everything and just look for something to separate and divide over? The Bible says that the thing that the world comes at you with is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, these are the same three tricks the devil's had in his bag from day one. This is what the devil used on Eve in the Garden of Eden in the beginning of time. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, what is the lust of the flesh? The lust of the flesh is things that your body craves. What did the devil tell Eve about that fruit? I don't know if it was an apple, and neither do you. And neither do whatever commentator you read behind. But it is kind of disheartening. Every time I look at my iPhone, I see an apple with a bite taken out of it. I've got this in my pocket. What's this twisted Steve Jobs trying to say? The original sin? This is, I mean, a lot of different ways we could go with it. But either way, the devil, the devil said, 
It's good to eat. Sure would taste good. The lust of the flesh is things that your body craves. I wonder what your body craves that you know is not good for you. Let's just throw out the obvious ones. What, what we got? Something, something that a body can crave, but it's not good for you. Let's hear it. Who? Who said what? Well, I agree with you on Cool Ranch, but not original. That, am I right? Kids eating Cool Ranch. What is wrong with the world? Man, get you some real Doritos. Let, let, okay, let's, let's stay off food. Don't talk to a fat man about food. I'm hungry. Let's get deeper. What'd you say, James? Guilt? Skittles? Listen. <laughs> Y'all got it all twisted. And let me tell you something. Stop ordering on sweet tea and loading it down with sugar. Just get you some real sweet tea. Now, I'm not talking about food. I mean, what we want to get to next? Hot dogs, pork, beef, chicken, hormones in chicken. No, let's, get, let's go a little deeper. Gambling, alcohol, pornography, avoiding, avoiding things. Fussing too much. The thing, listen, let, let me tell you, the body, the body. Here, here, here's what the body wants. The body wants to feel good. That's why fat boys eat. Well, feel good. Things that make your body feel good that are unlawful. Because the Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. You want to know what sin is? So anything you do that breaks the law, anything you do that breaks the law is what God calls sin. Man's law or God's law, unless man's law differs from God's law, then that's a different issue. The things your body creates that are unlawful for it. Now, last I checked, there ain't no laws against sweet tea. Okay. But there are laws against non-marital sex in the Bible. There are laws against fornication in the Bible. Anybody think that a healthy body uh, craves sex unlawfully? Do like this, or check for your pulse. Or, or go on and get you one of those, have you lost your vitality commercials? Why do you think so many people take pills in this generation? People taking pills at an unprecedented rate in America. Never been this way before. Why? Because they want to feel good. Let me, let, me, let me break the news to you. There's no happy pill. There's no magic pill. There's no pill that you can take that is going to do everything for you they claim it's going to do for you. Other than all the bad things, they let you know. Are you suffering from headaches? Well, take blood to do, and it's going to make your head feel better. But <laughs> side effects have been shown. Heart attack, epilepsy, diphtheria, amnesia, anal leakage. Halitosis, look that up and get a mint. Like, I just keep my headache, doc. I'm straight. The things that the body craves that are unlawful 
or the lust of the flesh. God told Eve not to mess with the fruit on that tree. But she did it anyway. Why? Because we are able and prone to give in to our fleshly desires. Whether it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is that is making your body feel good on the outside or the inside, that's the lust of the flesh. And the Bible says that if you love those things, the love of God is not in you. These are the ways the devil comes at us, not only the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes, the things that your eyes crave. What did the devil tell Eve? Not only is it good to eat, good to look at. Well, it don't it look good? The proverbial writer said, <laughs> check this out, in the King James, don't look at the wine when it moves itself in the cup. Hmm? What you saying? Well, go ahead and look at look at a wine, dude. Now I don't get it. My kids ask me. I'm like, I don't know. I don't drink wine. I don't know nothing about that. But look at a wine, dude. Do that, chick, homegirl. They take that glass of wine. What do they do with it? But then God say, don't look at it when it's moving in the cup. You're like, Pastor, I ain't violating none of that. I just suck it out the bottle <laughs> with my eyes closed. There are things that will capture your eye's attention that will make you want it even though God said it's not good for you. All kinds of stuff out there. Listen, dude, man, if you are married or if you're single, you got no business putting your eyes on a woman thinking about what you would and wouldn't want to see on her. That's the lust of the eyes. Now, ladies, I already told you, don't make it hard on men. All right? You say, what are you talking about? If you got to always be doing this, <laughs> throw that shirt away. Well, I just wear it to the club. Stay out the club. <laughs> and stop wearing that to church. If you got to do this, Throw that away. That ain't no good for you at all. The lust of the eyes. Putting your eyes on stuff that you know aren't good for you. The world is being destroyed right now by Internet pornography. Why is pornography such an issue in this generation when it was never an issue before? What has caused this generation... To be so jammed up over porno. Availability. Now you know. You know saved, sanctified, fire baptized. I love Jesus t-shirt wearing. Walking up to the 7-Eleven. Yo dog let me get that hustler. Let me get that penthouse. But you got some of that European stuff back there. Y'all might need to get that one. Nobody was walking up with you know. St. Thomas Missionary Baptist Church choir shirt on doing that but the internet don't care who you are the availability 
is greater now than it's ever been for Christians to put their eyes on things that God would not have you to put your eyes on. See, real Christians say, I, will, I made a covenant with God that I won't look at anything that dishonors him. I won't say anything. See, you only got so, so many gates, so many areas of access into who you are. There's only so many ways that the enemy can get on the inside of you. Through your mouth, what you put inside your body, the lust of the flesh. Through your eyes, what you look at. Through your ears, what you listen to. All these things impact us. And we're being bombarded by them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What's the pride of life? The pride of life is the thing... The things that your pride tells you you deserve. Well, old school cats are very familiar with with the wrong phrase, mostly right, but somewhat wrong, that there's only two things you can be sure of life. Death and what? Taxes. Well, that's not even all the way true. But we do all deserve to die. We do all deserve to die because the Bible says the payment for sin is death, and we've all sinned. So we all deserve to die. We all deserve to die and be separated from God forever because none of us have honored him perfectly. And he said, if you've broken one of my laws, you're guilty of them all. So we ought to have a greater level of humility and desperation for God's forgiveness And we need to get away from this pride of, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I'm doing better than my cousin. My cousin's a pastor, and and I'm, I'm, we are not each other's standard. Jesus is the standard, and we all fall short. See, the pride of life will tell you crazy stuff like, when's it going to be my turn? When am I going to get me mine? Well, you shouldn't want you yours. That's one of the things that shocks me more about King David than anything in the whole Bible. This dude said to God, search me and try me and know me. Reveal my heart unto me and give me what I deserve. Let me tell you something. I believe everywhere in the Bible is true, but I'm not praying that way. I got other ways I'm praying. Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. Reward me according to your loving kindness and your tender mercy. Give me what I deserve. Pride of life wants you to be mad at what other people have because you think you should have it. The pride of life makes you want to chase the Joneses, makes you want to buy things that you don't need with money you don't have to keep up with people you don't even like. Time to get a new car. What's wrong with the one you got? Neighbor got a new car. What? I can't be outshone by the neighbor. Why not? I'd love to be outshone by them. I'd love to, to out, outshow that they've got debt, and I don't. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, all these things, the devil, the world, your mind, your friends want to keep in your face stuff that's going to look good to you, stuff that's going to appeal to you to make you think this will make me feel better. Listen, the rules are there for our protection, not for our harm. Well, why can't I just go get turned up every night? Why can't I just go out and have sex with my girlfriend and and just stay drunk and high? That's what I want to do. 
or you need to get a new want, and you need to realize that's not living. That is, and and there, there are horrible consequences on the other side of that. Uh, no, nobody, you know, they used to show all these commercials. I don't know how many of them they show anymore. I've, I've watched less television than ever, but they used to show commercials, all these pretty people partying. They don't, they don't show them all with half their teeth missing. <laughs> Go down that road. They show all these pretty people partying, hooking up. They don't, they don't show them hugging that toilet bowl or asking their buddy, can I sleep on the couch because she put me out. Sin has consequences. God says don't do these things. He's trying to protect us. And we need to get our mind right and choose the things of the Lord over the things that appeal to our eyes and the things that appeal to our flesh and the things that appeal to our pride. Christians, by the very nature of the term, should be humble people that are just thankful for whatever little bit we can scrape together. Your need for bigger and better everything did not come to you from Christ. It came to you outside of Christ. The Bible said if you got food and you got clothes, you ought to be content. If you don't have food, you don't have clothes, we got a whole building full of food and clothes. Come get some on Saturday. If you need some between now and then, come see me and I'll make sure you get some. We need to focus on the things of God and not on the things of the world. Colossians 3.1 and the King James says, If you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. I love sports. I'm as competitive as a person ought to be. But if I find myself more pumped up over sports things than God's things, i got to get my mind right and i got to reel me in. I don't want you to answer out loud. And some of you are too proud and too far gone to even consider it might be you. But if you have an ounce of humility in your mind right now, without saying it out loud, I just want you to think in your own mind. What is it that gets your mental attention more than God? Because the Bible says that we should seek those things which are above. That's an active, continual tense. That's something that takes effort. We need to be constantly seeking the things that are above. Because Romans 8, 6 says, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. I want to live in a Christian community that is at peace with itself. I don't want Christian Democrats fighting Christian Republicans. I don't want Christian white people fighting Christian black people. I don't want Christian brown people fighting any Christian, any colored people. I want to live in a Christian community where people love God and are at peace. We don't live in a peaceful world. We live in a violent world. We live in a world where people just want one more thing to complain about. One more thing to get on the internet and rant and rave about. One more thing to make the issue that's not the issue. I'm going to keep saying it until I die. So either get over it, listen to it, or, or, or block me out. But if anybody's lives really mattered, there would be a constant march in Chicago. Because in Chicago, this past weekend, this past Friday, 13 more people were killed by guns. 
You know, Chicago has the highest gun restrictive laws in the nation. All those people got killed in Paris. You can't carry a gun in Paris. Oh, I guess they didn't tell the crooks that. I, I guess Ray Ray and Pookie and them didn't turn in their guns when everybody came collecting the guns from everybody else. Well, the issue, Pastor, is gun control. We need to make everybody turn in our guns. Yeah, I, I, just, I just know Bubba's going to turn in all his guns. I know every criminal in the world is going to register all their guns properly. No, that's not going to happen. The issue is not gun control. The issue is not what life matters. The issue is the devil trying to keep the church stirred up in anger and false focus. Because if we really cared about who's getting shot and killed, over 300 people have already been killed this year in Chicago, and we're not even halfway through 2016. This is 13 people on average every week. That's almost two a day. Well, that's Chicago. What? Well, let's just all hashtag Chicago lives don't matter. Let's just all hashtag we don't care. Let's just all hashtag it's not enough to get riled up about because after all, you know, we, we can't get anybody stirred up over that and we can't cause division over it. That's what the reality is. You can't get anybody passionate over it nobody to fight with you over it. So no reason to hashtag it. Hashtag something that will make everybody mad at you. The enemy is trying to destroy God's church. And this election is going to be divisive. And if it wasn't for the election, it'd be something else. It'd be the latest movement. It'd be the latest drama. So I'm done with this. I'm going to ask you a real question. I'm going to let you go. What is really eating up your mental space? Think about that today. Figure that out today. What's eating up your mental space? Something that your body craves? Something that just looks so good to you, you got to have it? Something that, that you just feel like you deserve, that you're just going to press your way into? What is eating up your mental space? What is eating up? Is, is it really God? Is it Jesus? Is it eternity? The Bible says we ought to focus on eternal things and not temporary things. Because eternal things are the things that are going to matter. Because you know what? I'm going to be glad to see you in heaven. And they're not checking party affiliation in heaven. I'm going to be glad to see you in heaven. And they're not checking doctrinal preference and pet peeve in heaven. I'm going to be glad to see you in heaven. They're not checking skin color in heaven. I'm going to be glad to see you in heaven. They're not going to be talks of who voted for who. Or how big anybody's house was. Our focus is being attacked. And the Bible says if we're really Christians, we need to focus on those things above. We need to set our affection on those things above. It's simple. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You talk about what you love. And the thing you talk about most is the thing you love the most. We claim the name of Christ. We need to start talking about Jesus more. We claim to be born again. We need to start thinking about heaven more. We claim to be in Christ. We need to start thinking about spirituality more. 
It's the spiritual things that need to control us, not the natural things. Because if you stay focused on God, when the enemy comes to tempt you, I don't even remember what you said, Joyce, but I loved it this morning. I don't even remember what time I looked at it, if it was today or yesterday. Something about if somebody come to you with gossip, you were going to shut them down somehow. What would you say? Just, just, just tell them, judge less and pray more. See, that's what we need. That's what we need. Somebody come to you with some foolish, when somebody comes to you with that type of temptation, why, why, why do people gossip so much? Because it makes them feel good. Putting other folk down. It appeals to their flesh. So they engage in it. But if you will keep your mind focused on God, you will be able to say, judge less and pray more. If you keep your mind focused on God, when the enemy comes to you with an attack, when somebody wrongs you, instead of fighting back with them, you can choose what saints of old have chosen for generations. With the simple saying, you can talk about me just as much as you please. I'm going to talk about you on my knees. If you keep your mind focused on the things that are above, when the enemy comes to try to make something look good to your eyes, make you feel good about it, make you think you deserve it, when you know God doesn't want you to have it, you'll be able to make the choice that could save your life and benefit your children's children. Making wrong choices have consequences. And we need to choose better. I want us to let God control our mind. Because when God controls our mind, there is life and peace. Truth be told, too many people are existing. You're just getting from Monday to Tuesday. You're just making one more week. We need to live at the level God created us to live. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We need to live a life of dominion. We need to live a life of empowerment. We need to live a life that just glorifies God everywhere we go. We can't do that thinking about earthly stuff all the time. Fussing and arguing and squabbling and squibbling over things that won't matter in heaven. So if we're really saved, let's get our mind right. Let's get our mind right. I believe it's time for the pastor and the people of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship to get refocused on what really matters. Did you hear me? I believe that this day, the pastor and the people of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship need to get their mind right and dedicate ourselves to seeking those things that are above to setting our affection on those things that are above. So when the enemy comes to devour us, to destroy us, to separate and divide us, over whatever trick he uses, money, class, race, personality, we'll be able to stand to God's glory and say, I love them anyhow. I won't be moved. I won't be moved. I won't be moved from my determination to love God and to love people. I have been let down. <laughs> Listen, if you've been let down by more people than me, I want to buy you lunch. Every day for the rest of your life. I've been let down too. 
I've been hurt too. I've been lied on. I've been cheated on. I've been stolen from. I've been stabbed in the back too. But if we're unwilling to get our minds right and set our affection on things that are above, we are no better than the lost people that we say should do better. We need to do better. I need to do better. And I hope you'll join me in determining to do better. We could have an invitation now, and I could beg y'all to come down here and hold hands with me, and let's all agree that we'll love God more. That lasts for three minutes. I'd rather you make a determination in your seat that'll last for a lifetime. Because I don't need you to see, I don't need to see you down here holding my hand. The fruit of our life will tell the story. When the road gets rocky and when times get tough, people that love God and love each other huddle up and hold on. Hold on. I took my kids. <laughs> I'm the smartest thing ever, but I ain't never been accused of that. I took my kids to a whitewater rafting Olympic training center outside of Charlotte, North Carolina this week. And we rafted down some class four rapids. So violent, threw the raft guide out. How do you think that felt to me? And then we left. There were news cameras everywhere because just the night before they'd found out that there was a brain-killing amoeba in that uh, center that had a 90, 97% kill rate within 10 days of being in the water. I think I'm on day six. Four. You might be rid of me faster than you thought. We're riding out in all these cameras. Man, something big must be going on. Yeah, all of Charlotte's saying don't go to the National Whitewater Rafting Center because uh, people are dying. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is they took us through Class 1 rapids. And they took us through Class 2 rapids. That's really all the average person needs to do. They took us through Class 3 rapids, and, and we learned how to get bounced around and listen to the, the rafting guide scream high side when the boat was turning over and dumping everybody out. Um, we learned how to um, dive in and hold on when the guide screamed bump. By the time we got to class four rapids, I didn't even hear nobody say bump. When they screamed bump, you're supposed to lean in and hold on because the boat's about to go over. And your only chance of staying in that boat is holding on to something. By the time we got to class four rapids, they didn't tell me anything. I'd already figured it out. You see that waterfall? We're about to go over. I'm holding on before everybody else is holding on. The whole boat went up like this. Jake was behind me. I leaned back. I was go my side was going under the water. I felt my arm in the water. I reached out and I caught his life vest with his hand hey thank God he's older and strong now cause I wasn't going in by myself <laughs> putting me in some brain eating amoeba tissue preacher killing water but we held on and when other people went in the water we didn't why cause I was holding on to somebody that was holding on to the boat You better hold on. You got that vision now, don't you, son? 
Hey, it was scary. Class four rapids ain't no joke. And it ain't for old fat preachers with bad backs neither, but that's a whole different story. When the guy in front of me fell in the water and got swept away in the current, paddle going one way, him going a different way, boat going a different way. His friend screaming at him from the boat, making sure he was alive and get, could get to the bank. Me and my kids were still in the boat. Because we knew that when it gets rocky, when it gets bumpy, you better hold on. Go ahead and get, get obnoxious and belligerent. Go ahead and get an individualistic attitude when times are bumpy and uncertain. Act like you don't need anybody. You be floating one way while the boat's going another way. Let's get our mind right. We need to love God and we need to love people. We need to refocus our mind and say we can yet do better. We can get our heart and our mind directed again. It takes a lot of effort to stay focused on God. It takes no effort to lose focus. That just happens. We, we had to paddle all of us as hard as we could to get out of this one, they called it an eddy. It, it just had us in a whirlpool. And every time we started to paddle out of it, we thought we were going to get out of it, it sucked us right back into it, off to the edge of the river. And we all had to work together to get out of that harm's way. Didn't take no effort at all. If you throw a leaf in there, it just gets sucked right up to it. No effort at all to go wrong. It takes a lot of effort to go right. If you claim the name of Christ, get your mind right. Focus on God. Set your affection on things that are above. And make a determination that says, I'm going to do the best I can do. I'm going to be the best me I can. God deserves the best version of you. He created you. He deserves the best version of you. You deserve the best version of you. Your family deserves the best version of you. This community deserves the best version of you. For those of us who are saved, let's decide to really follow Jesus and to focus our mind on God and the things of God more than we focus on the things of the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for loving us when we're unlovable. Thank you for never giving up on us, God. Help us to never give up on you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to focus my attention and my efforts on things that are above. Help me to set my affection on things that are above and not on things of this earth. Help me, God, to choose righteousness more than things that appeal to my eyes, to my flesh, or my pride. God, I choose to humble myself today. Ask you, Lord, to forgive me for not putting you first as often as I should. Help us all, God, to put you first. We know you deserve it. Help us, Lord, to let our affection be on eternal things and not get caught up in things that divide us in this life. God, we believe that eternity will be longer than the life we will have on this earth. So I ask you, God, to give us focus, give us mental clarity as to what really matters the most. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for unity in the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, to choose loving you and loving each other 
over everything that comes our way. Please help our nation. Please help Christians in this nation rally together by getting our minds right and putting you first. Lord, I ask you to bless each person in this room. Bless our city. Bless our nation. And let us live a life that will bless you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.